as Jesus walked on Palestinian soil more than 2,000 years ago, he made some rather outrageous statements. Outrageous in the sense that if they were not true, the things he said about himself, would actually show that he was an absolute nutter, just a, a crazy person. However, on the other hand, if these statements are actually true, then, then they are nothing short of spectacular in their significance for, for us. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. You'll only find satisfaction when I am the foundational nourishment of your life. That is a huge thing to say, isn't it? He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. There will be times when you know, won't know the way ahead, when it will feel as though you're stumbling around in the darkness. Well, that's okay. That's okay if you're walking with Jesus because he is the light of the world. Jesus said, I am the gate and I am the good shepherd. If Jesus is the gate, no one gets past Jesus, do they? If you're in the sheepfold and Jesus is the gate, no one gets past Jesus. You are safe. You are safe and secure in him if he is the gate. He also said, I am the good shepherd. If he's the good shepherd, then he can be relied upon to bring you into good pasture and to keep you safe. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And because Jesus is the resurrection and life, we too can be sure that, that this life is not all there is. There is hope for those who put their trust in Jesus. And Jesus also said, I am the true vine. And this is the, the little statement that I want to look at this morning. I want to, for us to unpack this a little bit more this morning. Let me ask you, is there anyone here who doesn't want a fulfilling life? I mean, it seems to me that pretty much everyone wants to have a fulfilling life. Another question, is there anyone here who doesn't want to have a fruitful life? I mean, I would say that just being fruitful, kind of just producing something from our life of value, seems to be kind of just written into our DNA. Would you agree? We want to have a fulfilling life. We want to have a, a fruitful life. Well, today I want to speak to you about the secret to a fulfilling and fruitful life as Jesus saw it. Let's turn in God's word to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, verse 1, he says, Jesus said, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither you can bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. 
If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. I want you to notice the role of the Father and the Son. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. I want you to notice that God the Father is passionately concerned about the health and the fruitfulness of the vine. He's passionate about fruit bearing. He wants the vine to be fruitful and he'll do whatever is necessary to make the vine as fruitful as possible. The Father's the gardener. The vineyard is his and he's in charge. Who are we? We are the branches. That's all. Yet often, we want to be in charge. We arrogantly want to set the agenda. We want to dictate the shape of our life. You see the problem? We want to be part of the vine. We want the benefits of being grafted into Jesus. We want the benefits of forgiveness and eternal life. But then we arrogantly decide that we want to dictate the course of our life. The reality is, God is in charge and he can do whatever he pleases in the vineyard. It's his vineyard. Sadly, there are times when, if I'm honest about myself, the bulk of my prayer life is spent trying to tell God what to do with his vineyard. How best to trim and shape the vine how best to deal with the weeds, how best to bring out the fruit, how best to bring out the potential of each branch. Foolishly, I often forget that the reality is this is the Father's vineyard and he really knows best. And well, he can do whatever he likes. It's his vineyard. Now, maybe that sounds a little harsh. In saying that, we need to remember the Father is so much more than just the one in charge. He's so much more than just the boss. He's the one who tenderly cares for the vineyard. And he is the God of love and compassion whose mercies never, ever fail. When we're in pain, when there doesn't appear to be a light at the end of the tunnel, when the days 
turn to weeks and then to months and a God appears to be silent and we wonder if he's even there. God comes to us with tenderness and love. This gardener revealed by Jesus, our heavenly father, we need to remember this, he can take any branch regardless of how wounded, broken, split and cracked it is and he can heal that branch and he can graft it into the vine and make it fruitful. Now in saying that, it may not be a quick fix. It probably won't happen overnight and it may not happen without more pain and more discomfort. It may take a while. But the father is the gardener and his grace is enough to forgive all of your disappointing failures. He is strong enough to turn any crisis in your life around. He can turn it all around for good. This is the Father's vineyard and thank God he's in charge. Thank God he is in charge. The Father, the gardener cares for you deeply and he will ensure that you are fruitful providing all you need for growth and maturity. Now, when I read that, that just makes me want to jump for joy. It really does. I just want to praise his name when I think about that kind of God. And it's not as though I've kind of made up that kind of God. That is the God revealed to us in Jesus. This is our God, the gardener who is passionate about the fruitfulness of your life. So that is the first thing. God is the gardener. The whole universe is his vineyard and he is passionate about the fruitfulness of the vine. Let's focus on the vine for just a moment. New Testament gives us some pretty powerful images, pretty powerful images of the church. For instance, the Apostle Paul paints a picture of the church as being the body of Christ. Each of us make up the body of Christ here on, on earth. Jesus is the head and we all have very specific roles to play. In the, in the body. Some people kind of are, are like the hand, some people are a bit more like a leg or a foot or, you know, we all have different roles, but Jesus is the head and they, Paul paints this picture of the body of Christ. Now the trap is to think of the vine in the same way. To think, oh yeah, it's just another way of saying the body of Christ is the vine. The vine which Jesus speaks of is not the church. Being part of the church being actively involved in ministry and service may in some way equate to being part of the body of Christ, but it doesn't equate to being part of the vine. I want to be really clear on this. Jesus said, I am the true vine. Remain in me and I will remain in you. The church is not the vine. Jesus is the vine. It's a similar kind of illustration, but it is not the same. We need to think clearly about this to really understand what Jesus is saying to us. You know, few plants come in as many kind of fascinating shapes as grapevines. Their trunks twist up from the ground in countless weird and wonderful forms. You know, a couple of feet or so above the ground, the trunk separates into these, these craggy arms that, that reach out towards, when we grow them, you know, in a vineyard, to wires on the trellis. I don't know if you've ever actually looked at a, a, a grapevine. When we purchased our house, there was quite a mature grapevine growing on the side of a shed in the, in the backyard. And it was good to have a very close look 
at this vine. You know, the same kind of rough, flaky bark that starts just above ground level continues up where it separates into these really craggy kind of arms and then onto where these slender, more flexible canes emerge. The thing is, there really is no definite line that says the vine ends here and the branch starts there. That's why this is such a great illustration of the relationship the Lord Jesus wants to have with us, his followers. He wants you and I to identify so closely with him that others cannot tell where he ends and you begin. It really is a perfect illustration. I want you to notice no branch has any life in and of itself. If you cut that branch off, I've done this, it will shrivel and die very quickly. Very rapidly, that branch will shrivel up and die. Only the vine itself has life. Now you think about this for a moment. What does the Bible say about Jesus? It says he is the author of life. He is the author of life. All life in the universe came from him. He is the author of life. Of course he is the vine. Of course he is the author of life. Everything was made through him and by him and for him. That's what the text says. A branch, that's you and me. We've got to draw our life from the vine, from Jesus. There's no real life in us outside of Jesus. If we're going to find true life at all, I mean the kind of life that just goes on and on forever, and not just in a, a quantitative way, but in a qualitative way. The quality of life he's talking about is the kind of life God has. And that is what we find in Jesus. Jesus makes it clear right at the start of this parable that he's not just a vine. He's just not one of many vines. Jesus is the vine. And he describes what it means to be in him by saying these words. Verse 15, he says, I have called you friends. It's an amazing statement, isn't it? The author of life says, I have called you friends. Just for a moment, take all the absolute, the best things you've ever experienced about friends, about your close mates, and you'll begin to understand the wonder of Jesus' invitation to you. The author of life wants to be your best friend. He wants to be the best mate you've ever had. And he wants to share every moment of your life. He wants to walk with you through thick and thin, the good times and the bad times. He wants to just hang out and watch videos with you when you're feeling tired and, and overworked. And he, he doesn't mind if you've got the trackies on and the Uggs. That's okay with Jesus. I mean, it's saying that I'm not wanting to in any way take away from the majesty of our King Jesus. He's other than, other than us-ness. <laughs> he is completely separate from us. But I'm just trying to look for some contemporary kind of way of saying, no, he, he just takes you as you are. That's what friends do, don't they? Someone said, you know, a good friend is someone who knows all about you and they still want to be your friend. Jesus knows more about you than you know about you. 
and he still wants to be your friend. That is amazing in my case. For Louise, say, I can understand that. He wants to listen to your biggest heartaches. He wants to counsel you with the absolute best advice available. You know, Jesus knows more about everything than anyone. You remember right at the start I asked you if you wanted a fulfilling and a fruitful life. All of this, the fullness, the fulfilment, the fruitfulness is only found in friendship with Jesus. So important. I want you to really get this. Life in God's vineyard is about friendship with Jesus. It's about relationship with Jesus. It's about a personal relationship with Jesus. It's not about programs. It's not about how many programs you go to. It's not about how many programs you run. It's not about how many ministries you have or how incredibly effective your ministry is. It's not even how, about how much you know or how gifted you are. You know, we as kind of Western evangelicals, we love to know about things and we tend to kind of evaluate people by how much you know about God or about the Bible. It's not about that at all. It's actually about being friends with Jesus. It's a little bit like this person you might meet who who says, oh, I know all about marriage. I've read all the books on marriage. I've been to marriage seminars. I've been to all of these you know, counselling sessions and all that. And you say, how long have you been married? Oh, I'm not married. <laughs> what goes through your mind at that moment? You know diddly squat about marriage. It's exactly the same with Jesus. Sometimes you meet people and, man, they're, like, they're in Sunday school. They're just slamming out the answers. Oh, I know the answer to that. I know the answer to that. Be like the Pharisees. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Blah, blah, blah. Some people think they know all about relationship with Jesus, but they're not in relationship with Jesus. But life in the vineyard is about friendship with Jesus, not just knowing about friendship with Jesus. That is what it's all about. Real relationship with the author of life. He is the true vine. And we are the branches drawing our nourishment from him. He is our true friend. He really is. And there is no real life without him. Let's think a little bit more about the branches. As I said, you and I are the branches. That's what Jesus says. Branches on the vine, but we don't just grow there on the vine. Do you realise that? You don't just happen to be growing there on the vine. Every branch on the vine. Every branch on the vine was especially chosen and then grafted into the vine. Have a look, a careful look at verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Your initial state, my initial state, the initial state of every human being who's ever existed was not part of the vine. You were taken, chosen, grafted in. A cut was made on the vine and carefully you were placed in the vine so that the life of Christ 
might flow through your life. It is a great image, is it not? You were chosen, it's that simple. I don't know about you, but for me, that changes everything. That changes everything. Disciples of Jesus don't become followers by their own determination or maybe because of chance. I mean, we've talked about this a lot. It can feel like it from our point of view is that, no, I made a decision to follow Jesus. Well, if that's the case, then there's a whole lot of stuff in the Bible that's telling lies because it says you're in the mind of God before the creation of the world. He was thinking about you before the creation of the world, before you were even conceived. We don't become followers of Jesus by our own determination, though it can appear to be the case. You didn't become part of the vine because you just happened to be in the right place at the right time or you were born into the right family. Your connection to Jesus occurred because the true vine, Jesus, chose you to be grafted into him. That is a profound reality. Chosen. It is a humbling word. But it's also a very confronting word. We also need to recognise this, that his choosing of you does not mean in any way that someone else is then excluded. There is room on the vine for everyone. It's not as though, oh, well, you got chosen and this other person didn't because there's not enough room on the vine. Your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost. That's what Jesus said. No matter how unloved you felt in the past, no matter how bruised and broken and cut up you feel, no matter how lost you feel in your sin, God knew all of that when he chose you. And he wants you anyway. That is the secret to hope in your life. It really is. Regardless of whatever you've done, he wants you grafted in and drawing true life from him. Whether you or I do some pruning in the garden, whenever we do that, the branches have no say in the matter, do they? When we go out and just say, oh, right, I'm going to do some pruning, the branches have no say in the matter. They are completely passive, completely at the mercy of the gardener. Not so in the heavenly vineyard and not so with the true vine. Get this. The branches have a choice. The branches have a choice. You may be chosen and grafted in, but then because it's the very nature of God not to force himself on anyone, the branches have a choice. In the Father's vineyard, the branches have a will of their own. This is a key point. A key point in this passage. Once chosen, each branch must, must choose whether to be part of the vine or not. Now Jesus explains this by the repeated use of a little two-letter word. If. If. Verse 5. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If. Anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. Because they've chosen not to remain in him. The branch has the choice. 
Verse 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. Verse 10, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. Then verse 14, you are my friends. Remember, life in the vineyard is about friendship with Jesus. You are my friends if you do what I command. That shows you're in the vine. If you want to be part of the vineyard, you've got to be participating in the life of the vine. You know, often people get really confused at this point. The choice is not, at this point, the choice is not, do you want to find fulfilment in God's life? The choice is not whether you want to be fruitful. You don't make that choice. Do I want to find fulfilment or be fruitful in my life? I don't make that choice. We don't make those choices. Those things happen when you're part of the vine. That's just the natural outcome of being part of the vine. A fulfilling life and a fruitful life. That is the result of having the kind of God life coursing through you. We don't make that choice. This is the choice. This is the if. The choice is, will you accept his offer of friendship by remaining in him? That is your only choice. That is your only choice. Do I have a relationship with Jesus or not? That is your only yes or no. The rest of it is a result of that choice. If you choose yes, yes, I will remain grafted into the source of life. A mind-blowing array of possibilities open before you. And when I say that, I mean I don't think any of us in this life could begin to understand the possibilities of what it means to have God life coursing through you for the next well, forever. Kind of makes, uh, when we've been there 10,000 years, seem a bit of a joke, doesn't it? I mean, they are just staggering the possibilities for fulfilment and fruitfulness that come from yes. The opportunities that arise from no, I don't want to be grafted into the source of life, Jesus is looking for an image and he's just going, well, it's kind of like a branch that's just cut off and it just dries up and withers. This is the secret. Friendship with Jesus. It is that simple. If you choose no, there is death. Outside of being connected into the source of life, what is there? Nothing. There's nothing. Jesus says, disconnection from him, the branches dry up. Apart from him, we can do nothing. Apart from him, ultimately, we are nothing. We turn back to dust. You know, I wish, and I think this through, I really wish that the spiritual vineyard was as clearly seen as the earthly one that Jesus gives as an example. I wish we could see it as clearly. 
See, in the physical vineyard, the, the moment a branch is removed, it starts to wither. Its death is clearly seen. But sadly, in the spiritual vineyard, it's not as easy to see. You see, neglecting that vital friendship with Jesus is the most dangerous thing you can do. Yet, it happens subtly and almost imperceptibly. We can easily become distracted and drawn away by the enticements, the opportunities, the challenges of this world. And you know what? When that happens, we may still be actively involved in religious activities, still coming to church, still staying busy in ministry, still staying religious, but having no real relationship with Jesus. I was reading during the week that... Um, Eugene Peterson says, when this happens, it's a little bit like we become, we become really clever morticians. We, we, kind of, we know how to use the right language and we can, we can do ourselves up so we look alive. We're going to paint a picture of ourselves that we put forward to others. And if you've like me, if you've grown up in the church, you've been coming to church all your life, you kind of know all the things to say. You know enough about the Bible, you know what's expected. You can paint this kind of really alive image of yourself. Eugene Peterson says, yeah, it's just like kind of making that body in the coffin look real and alive. And Rest in peace. It's dead. It's a shocking image. It is. It's a shocking image. But that's the image Jesus gives us. You choose not to be connected to him, there's some reality there. Now the funny thing is that when that happens, for some reason his blessing still appears to accompany us as we try to get by in our own strength. Unaware of the fact without him we are lilting and fading and we're just keeping the pew warm. Then one day we wake up and we realise that life has no meaning, no fulfilment. And if we're really honest with ourselves, we can't point to any fruit. Our life is fruitless. Apart from Christ, your life will have no real joy. Apart from Christ, your life won't have any lasting fruit. But with him, I guarantee you, you will find true life, full and abundant. If. If what? If we choose friendship with Jesus over everything else. These guys, Dion and Brian and John, are going to be baptised in a moment over there. And uh, in a way, what they're doing is they're, they're acting out an old play that has been you know, around since, well, Jesus gave it to us. And, and the, the play is, my old life is fit to be buried. <laughs> That's what going under the water is all about. Yeah, that old life, oh, it's fit to be dead and buried. And if we die with Christ, we will rise with Christ. And it's like they're putting a, you know, a stake in the sand and they're saying, no, this, this is not the day I got saved. But this is a significant day. This is the day that I publicly said to everyone, 
This is what the reality is for me. My old life is fit to be buried. I come up out of the water. It's a symbol of new life in Christ. And uh, so it's a wonderful image. So we're going to sing a song. We're going to sing a song together. The four of us are going to go over and get changed. And um, Bruce is going to pull that fence paling off and uh, we're going to go over there. But um, all I want to say to you from God's word today is please make your friendship with the Lord Jesus the absolute highest priority in your life because everything else, everything else flows from that relationship. Nothing else comes close and everything else will fall into place when you are grafted into the true vine, into Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this this special day when three of our men are are in obedience to you being baptised. Lord, we thank you for your word and for the beauty of that statement, I am the true vine. Lord, we, we don't even know where to begin to thank you for what it means to be grafted into you and for you, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the maker of all things, the sustainer of all things, to look at us individually, not as a group of people, not even a church or a nation, but to us individually and say, I have called you friend. I want to be your closest friend. The beauty of that is staggering. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.